bells and whistles and alarms are going off in the enemy's camp, and he's saying, wait a second, we got a problem, they're moving. And for some of you, you might think it's insignificant. You might think it means that, that it's just a decision you made. But if it's a decision of faith and where you're stepping out and making a difference, I'm telling you, you're going to get opposition. And sometimes the biggest, the, the biggest factor in being able to overcome that opposition is just to simply know that it's coming. Because if I don't know it's coming, I'm surprised by it. It's like, oh my goodness, I never would have done this if I would have thought this was going to happen. We start backing up and saying, well, well I, never, I never bargained for this. But when we make the decision to say, okay, God, I'm going to do whatever you want me to do. I, what, that, if that's going to church, I'm going to start going to church at least once a month or twice a month or four times a month. Or I'm going to go to small group or I'm going I'm to get involved and I'm going to start doing something. All of a sudden, you have to know that there's opposition coming. In fact, Angela and I, I can't tell you how many times throughout the course of the last 20 years, thousands of times that people have told me, hey, uh, I've really, like sometimes I have conversations with people that I've never met before. I'll meet someone in the, in the store or Angela and I will be having a conversation. Sometimes we're at dinner and we're, we just, hey, so-and-so, we're waiting in line somewhere, we're having this conversation. All of a sudden someone's crying and they're like, they're praying and they're, they're having a, a spiritual uh, spiritually significant moment, and they just, you know, I've, I've known I needed to get in church, and now I, I, I'm going to be there. I'll see you on Sunday. And we start praying right away because I know what's going to happen. I start praying, God, give them strength. Help them to stay focused on the things that you have for their life and not get distracted by the opposition that it's coming. And sure enough, when you so many times Somebody comes and tells me after service, you know what, while you're, while you're talking, it's just like God was telling me something. I, that, in fact, I'll just, I'll just be candid with you. That's my hope for every single service, that God speaks something to you that I never said. Because then it's not coming from me. Then you don't have to think, well, I, that's just Pastor Sean talking. Listen, if God, if the Holy Spirit talks to you, well, I think he will talk to every one of you. That's my prayer. I believe that there are people watching online right now. There are hundreds of people that watch. I'm shocked every week. People text us and email us and, and, and reach out to us online and say, hey, we're from New York, or hey, we're from California, or hey, we're from here or there. I love that. But what I love even more is that the Holy Spirit's talking to you. He's telling you things. Whether you decide to join Relate or, or participate or whether you decide to be here next week, I, that's not my... That's not really my hopes and dream. My hope and dream is that the, the, the Holy Spirit can talk to you while you're sitting in here, and he can take you somewhere. He can help you take a step of faith. So I want you to join a church, but it might not be this one. But my hope is that you get involved somewhere and start making a difference. Because you were made to make a difference. You're made to fit together with other people to become a part of a team like Nehemiah joins together with these people. They start doing something that brings back to life the hopes and dreams of a nation. He could have walked away at any point. It would have been really easy for him to say, nah, that, that's a thousand miles away and I'm pretty comfortable here. I'll pray for you though. He, he, he could have done anything, but he chose to go. And so for you, your story to do something may, may look a lot different. Maybe it's that you, you just want to start, you, you want to get out of debt by the end, by 2022, or you want to you rebuild a relationship that God's been 
impressing on you, hey, you got to do something about this broken relationship. You got to let forgiveness and grace back into your heart. You have to start making a difference. Maybe God's given you an idea. I, hundreds of times, I can tell you that in the middle of a, of a church service, in the middle of listening to someone preach, God will give me an idea for business or for something else I'm doing that's like totally unrelated to what's being preached, but God gives me an answer or an idea that like changes everything. But what happens whenever we have a God idea or a God feeling or this heartbreak to do something? Immediately, once we've made that decision, it's like, uh-oh, here comes the opposition because all he has to do is push us off a little bit and we'll say, ah, it was a bad idea anyway. <laughs> I never should have done this. So don't be surprised when you face opposition. Don't be surprised because if you can just know it's coming, it's a lot easier to say. In fact, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. You're going to have trouble. This last Sunday, we left church. I'm, just, I'm going to be as candid as I can be. We left church. We went, to have, we went to have lunch. And I walked out of the restaurant, and my truck window was broken out. And my first thought was, who left the windows open? <laughs> but, and then I realized there's glass everywhere. And it took me about two minutes. I would say two to five minutes to get my head together because I, was, I wasn't like, let's pray. I should have been. <laughs> it took me a few, it really took me a few minutes to get my to get myself together and calm down. <laughs> Stop walking around the parking lot. I won't tell you what I was saying, but I'll just tell you that I came back. <laughs> I came back. And then I just realized, look, we're going to have trouble. We're going to have problems. But Jesus said, "Take courage." Or take heart because I've overcome this world. So no matter what the problems, no matter what the opposition, we know it's going to come. God's already given us everything necessary to overcome. Everything necessary to fulfill the vision and the purpose and the dreams and the destiny that he has planted in our hearts. If we'll just stick with it and not be pushed off. So advancement invites opposition. So like every time you get ready to take that step of faith, and I tell you this all the time, there will be a cost we don't just take it, we don't take steps of faith without a sacrifice. But the promise is that every time we take a step of faith and there is a sacrifice and there is a cost, it'll always be worth it. Because everything that we give, like you can't, like when people say you can't outgive God, that's not just something about like giving in the offering. That means like when I give my life to Him, it's always worth it. Because He gives so much more. He takes us to places that we, he, he says that the, the things I have for you, you can't even imagine what they are. So let's pick back up with our story in Nehemiah. Uh, Sambalot is, is, is angry and incensed, and then we see that this is like the first wave of his opposition. Here we go. He ridiculed the Jews. And in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are these feeble Jews doing? That word feeble it literally means like a flower that's been cut off. And it's like something that's broken and now it's dying. And so he's kind of mocking. He's kind of jeering and poking fun. He's got his friends and he's got his associates. And I imagine when the king is insulting and making jokes and mocking, everyone's laughing like, yeah, good one, king. I, I want us to focus on what he says, though, in, in his mocking. He says, will they restore their wall? 
Will they offer sacrifices? Like, what, what are you going to do, you feeble Jews? Like, like when, whenever I hear on the basketball court, you're so weak. Not that I hear that that often. I'm just saying people say it in general. <laughs> that was weak, man. Like, so that, he's telling them, you guys are weak. What are you going to do? Like, rebuild the walls. What are you going to do? It gets a lot better. Just, will they finish in a day? So he's obviously not, he's not just saying something serious. He's joking and mocking them. Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? And here's where some other guy who is significant enough to get his insult in the Bible. I have no idea. Like, I'm going to read you the insult, but it makes almost no sense. Tobiah, the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, so you can imagine the king is joking. Everybody's laughing, and all of a sudden, here's Tobiah. What they're building, even a fox climbing up on it, would break down their wall of stones. Now, I looked for what's the significance of a fox jump. Like, I thought, okay, that's nothing. But yeah, even a fox could knock down your stones. So that, that must have been something significant to the day. Like, we, we have a lot of things. Like, if, if back in their day, if they would have heard us say, like, your mom could even knock those stones down. It's probably something like that. But I couldn't figure out what the, what the foxes are. But evidently, it's significant, it's significant enough to get him quoted in the Bible. And it's also significant enough so that later we see the impact that these insults actually have on Nehemiah and the people who are building. And it's very significant. Even though this first wave of opposition, they didn't get all the armies together. All they started doing was saying, yeah, right. You're weak. You guys can't do that. You're garbage. You're just a flower that's been cut off. You're nothing. Isn't it amazing how sometimes it's the most insignificant words. It's the things that they cut so deep. To. In fact, there are words that have been spoken over us or spoken about us or to us. Sometimes it's years ago. There are things that I can remember that were said to me about me like 10, 20 years ago by people that I, that I desperately care about. But their words hurt, right? So I want you to know this, that the devil doesn't bother those who are not a threat. So like if you're not moving territory, if you're not advancing, if you're not taking steps of faith, he doesn't care. In fact, I think he would, he's happy for you to just go to church. Well, at least they're not doing anything. At least they're not, at least they're not, uh, actually walking by faith. At least they're not making decisions that are going to affect anyone else. So here's my, here's my thought for you. If you're not ready for opposition, just sit back. Just coast. Coast, baby. Just go to church. Sing the songs as loud as you want. But whenever, the, whenever that compassion starts to move and you feel like, hey, I got to do something, just don't. Just don't do anything. Just step back. Repress that feeling. Just start clapping. Some of you are not ready to clap yet, so just put your hands back in your pockets. <laughs> just coast. Well, here's the deal, though. When you're ready to actually walk by faith and follow God and step out and do something that makes a difference, it will always be worth it. It will always be worth it. Most of the time, you don't notice, even if you have read Nehemiah, you don't notice what his response to, the, uh, to Tobiah 
and Sambalot, you don't notice their insults are coming, but you don't notice what he does because he doesn't do anything in response. He doesn't get up on the wall and start screaming at them. He doesn't go and send a letter. Well, I'm going to write him a letter. I'm going to write him an email. <laughs> he may have wrote a letter, and like some of you guys, wrote, it, wrote a text and then start deleting it all before you actually send it. He may have written a letter and then threw it away. But what he actually does in the text is that he doesn't respond. I had a... Throughout the course of my ministry, when I was about 17 years old, 16, I had everything in my life thought out, planned out. Of course, I, I thought, uh, my, my first thought was, I was I'm going to join the military, then I'm going to go to school, and I got this step, this step, this step. When I was 17 years old, I was in a, in a, uh, a camp meeting, a church meeting, and it just hit me like, there's nothing I want to do more. Like, it fits, my life fits into God. Like nothing else fulfills me like doing something for God. And so I told God, God, I'll do whatever you want. And I can tell you that walking away from that meeting, I didn't know what it would look like. In fact, I had never even considered that like you could have a career in ministry. Why? Because usually there's not a career in ministry. Like usually there's, you, <laughs> most of the people that I know that are in ministry, including most of my life, ministry almost never pays. So in making a decision to do that, most of the people who cared about me were like, what are you talking about? I had people who were like Christians and in church and working in church and pastors saying, no, 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 look, 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 go to school, get a job, and do that church stuff on the weekends. Like, all the things that, I, so you make a decision for God and then you start to doubt like, but, but that kind of goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden where God says, hey, do this, do this. And then the, the serpent comes in and says, did God really say you can't eat that fruit? Maybe it's, for you, it's, you, you have had ideas to like, I want to start a ministry or a charity or a program or I want to foster children or I want to, I want to help, help these people or those people. And then the first time you tell someone, they're like, what do you mean? You can't even take care of yourself. You can't even keep your own bills paid. You can't even, you're a mess. How are you going to help anybody else? And those are the things that kind of go through our own mind. But I'll tell you this right now, that most people who ever did anything for God, they didn't have enough money. They didn't have anyone who would help them. And the timing was never right anyway. They just did it. For Nehemiah, that's certainly true. When he, when he made the decision to do something, he didn't have anything. All he, did, all he did was be a poison taster. Later on in our, in our ministry, Angela and I had been married for 10 or 13 years, and we, did, we, we just knew that God was sending us to Fort Worth. It had to go to Fort Worth to help this church that was struggling and that... We had something we could give them. Everyone we told were like, that's a bad idea. But we knew we had to go. Same with, with starting this church. There were people that we love and care about to this day. Pastors. People that we looked, look up to in ministry said to us, now let's all sit down. We just want to tell you, look, we know that you're fired up about this. But we don't think this is a good idea for you. In fact, there were people who told us, look, why don't you come work for us? And, uh, or if you don't want to, 
go, go do the church thing. Go start the church. And when you're done with that, you can come back and work for us. Like it's not going to work. So when you get back, we'll, we'll be here when you're done. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the kind of things that stay with you. And you, you think... They're just trying to help. But what happens is those negative words, they make us doubt and they make us think about, what am I really supposed to be doing for God? But it's just that seed of doubt. It's that seed of opposition. The enemy doesn't have to come and haunt your house and shake chains while you're sleeping and wake you up so that you're so afraid you go and get an exorcism in your house. Like that's not how he attacks you. All he's got to do is make you start doubting and then go, well, I guess I wasn't supposed to do that anyway. I'll sit down. (laughs) <laughs> ouch I'm going to move on so here's, here's one thing you can write down I'm not going to be moved by praise or criticism like whether it's the good stuff or the bad stuff I'm not listening to the, to the opinions of men all I need is God's permission and I can do it I just need the permission of one person so I'm not going to let praise go to my head and I'm not going to let criticism go to my heart I'm going to protect myself and just keep my eyes on Jesus. So Nehemiah knows, and he doesn't care what they say, and what he does is go to God. Like Psalms chapter 121, David says, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. In other words, all these people around me, they're not, they don't have God's plan for my life. And so Nehemiah does the same thing. Hear us, O God, in verse 4. For we are despised. Turn their insults, and this is an amazing prayer. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. So their insults were affecting him. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. Then he goes back to telling us what's going on. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half of its height. That's a lot of work. Not only did they rebuild the, the gates, there were many gates around the city. They rebuilt the wall to half. This is where we get that image that's often, you see Nehemiah portrayed as the, the guy with the sword in one hand and a hammer in his other hand. Because he's working and he's fighting. So we have to keep ourselves focused on the vision that God, God has a purpose for you. But you also have to be ready to, to defend yourself. So as much as I would say that you stepping out doing anything, anything by faith is not you getting your coffee in the morning and pulling out your Bible and taking your selfie and hashtag blessed and this is me and <laughs> if I told everybody I haven't looked at social media this morning. So if you did that today, <laughs> I'm just guessing. I know I, there. We'll just move on, but I will say this. There are, there are many times, that's, that's, not, that's not affecting change in the, in the world, right? That's not advancing the kingdom of God. But sometimes, this is probably the first time I've ever said this about that particular thing. Sometimes it, it's those little phrases that we see on social media that challenge us and remind us. Like sometimes we need that pick-me-up to say, hey, get back to work. Hey, open up your Bible and read it. So I'm not, I'm not bashing the fact that we pull out our Bibles. I'm bashing the fact that we think that's good enough for God. 
and that that's all he expects of us. No, God wants you to get out your Bible so you can keep building, keep working, keep reminding yourself to be on offense and defense. To do a work. Because doing a work is not posting something online. Although I can think of a few exceptions. There are things that we can do. But help somebody. Do something that makes a difference in someone else's life. And if it takes you getting your coffee out in the morning so that you can go do that, then do it. Read, all, read everything that you have to read to keep yourself motivated. So he does this. He, he takes a, a pause to pray. He starts praying to God, and then he's right back to work. I think for us that's incredibly relevant that for a lot of us, we just start praying and we just say, well, God, it's all in your hands now. Listen, <laughs> there's times when it's all in God's hands, but most often we can put it in God's hands, but you got to keep working. you got to keep doing something. In fact, prayer, we kind of say, God, here it is, it's yours, and that's our prayer. But really prayer is supposed to be like this, God, I have an issue, can you give me an answer? And he says, do this. Prayer is a conversation with God. So he does something that's both spiritual and practical. Can we not be so spiritually minded that we're no good to anything that happens on the earth? Like there are people who are hurting around us that need something, that need help. It might be your neighbor. There, there, are, there are, I meet people literally every day that are far away from God. Like they're in darkness. They don't even know it. They just need to have a light turned on. They need somebody in their life who will... Who will care enough to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to start a relationship with this person because I can, I can turn the light on for them. I can help them go from far from God to near to God. Okay, so we have to pray as if everything depends on God, but then work as if everything depends on us. And God meets us where we, we do what we can and he does what we cannot. Verse 10, meanwhile, the people in Judah said, now this is where we get the insults go from just insulting. Now they've started to get Nehemiah's prey and Nehemiah's focus, but the people who are building, all of a sudden, something, it starts to get into their hearts. So meanwhile, the people of Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. They're starting to get uh, kind of downtrodden and they're feeling the insults. Also, our enemy said before, they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and we'll kill them and put an end to the work. So this, the, these insults and mocking and threats, they've all started to bring fear into the people who are working. And they're starting, we can't do this. They start backing up. They start uh, faltering in their resolve to keep working. Then the Jews who live near them came and told us 10 times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Here's what I want you to, to recognize in your own life. Of all the external opposition, of all the haters, of all the people who are going to say, man, why would you even bother with that? Who are you? Like those start to come from inside at some point. Some of our worst opposition comes from our own voice. Some of my biggest challenges, some of my biggest desperation and insecurities continue to hit me with like, man, why am I even doing this? Like, it's easy for me to look around and compare myself to other people and say, no, people that I know, people that I'm great friends with and say, dude, really? These other pastors are like superstars. What are you talking about? You're like a, what are you, a, a, a supermodel? 
you got millions of dollars to do all the, the church work you want to do. How can I compare to that? How can I reach anybody? How can we, have, how can we build a church? And yet it's my own insecurities that are, are very likely, and your own insecurities that are very likely to be the very thing that, that just something, something tur- flips a switch and you say, well, I guess I wasn't supposed to do that anyway. That, that never really fit me anyway. I never really felt comfortable. I never really felt like I was doing And we justify in our own minds and we start to say, you know what? They're going to come kill us anyway. We're, we're not going to win anyway. Why would I even do this? But I imagine Jesus going to the cross and everything that he gave and putting his life on the line. Even if we walk away, even if I walk away and said, I, say, I don't want that free gift, he still would do it for those that would take it. There, we, we can make a difference. The external opposition will only be as loud as my internal insecurities allow them to be. Like if I can keep my eyes focused on Jesus, and that's exactly what Nehemiah does. After I look things over, like he's, he's taking all of this in, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. I think this is the moment where he stands up and, okay, I've got to give him a pet pep talk. This is the moment in in uh, Remember the Titans or in, the, in the, the sports movie where they're in the locker room and he says, all right, guys, this is the, this is the second half. This is the, the, the end of the ninth. This is where we have to go in onto the field and put it all on the line. Sometimes you have to be the one that gives yourself that pep talk to remind yourself what God has done for you already. He starts reminding them, look, I didn't have anything. I was with the king. He says, Remember when the king gave me permission to come here? He gave me money. He gave me supplies. He gave me protection to get here. And we've already built the walls halfway. Who thought we could have done that? Like remember when Moses brought our people out of Egypt and the sea was split. Remember what God did. And I can tell you that in my life it's been that same way. That I never could imagine that God would do the things that he's done if I hadn't done other things. And it's a process of, we would say baby steps. You'd have to take a step. It's hard to imagine that God would help you take a thousand steps of faith. But if you could just take one, then you can believe for the second one. All you have to do is believe that God can help you make the next best decision today. You don't have to have the full plan. You don't have to know all 1,000 steps and where you're going and where the end is. You just have to know what God wants you to do for that next step. And so like David standing on a battlefield facing Goliath, he might never have imagined that he could beat a Philistine giant with an army behind him if he wouldn't. He said, I know that God can do this for me because he helped me defeat a lion. And before that, another defeat. Before that, another victory. Before that, another victory that God helps us take step by step. So you might think it's insignificant that, you know, God wanted me to help this person, but really what was the point? What if God's just trying to help you take a step so that you can get to step two so that when you get to step 50, you're not overwhelmed and turn away and say, I'm, there's no way I could do 50. There's no way I could do 100 or 1,000. There's no way I could do anything that big, but if you'll just take one, and then two, and then three, before long, you're walking by faith and God's doing things that you never thought were possible. 
and we can do it together. This is not the battle. This battle is not ours. The battle is the Lord's. We have to keep, first off, reminding ourselves, hey, put the fear aside. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to remember what the Lord did in my life, in my personal life. Marky's here today. She sang an awesome song this morning, but your Uncle Robert, the first time I went and, and prayed for him in the hospital. He had been, he was riding his bike and been hit by a car, and the car took off. So a hit and run, laying on the side of the road. We go to visit him in the hospital. I am telling you, I'd never seen anyone that I thought was more close to death. I couldn't recognize his face. He'd been hit in the head and and run over. It was graphic, like they had to brain surgery to cut off part of his uh, bone so that his he could swell without dying. Like literally, he was swollen and bleeding, and tubes and hoses. And I, I went in with another minister, and I can tell you, at that moment, that young moment in my life, I thought this guy is dead. What do you mean, pray for him? <laughs> There's no praying for him. Thank God this other minister, this other person I was with had the faith and said, all right, let's pray. God's going to do a miracle. And within just a few weeks, he was back up and living and alive. But you know what happens? The next time I'm, le- I'm standing in front of someone that I think, this, <laughs> this is a lost cause, God. Like literally my first thought was pray for him. No, I'm going to pray for the family so that they will have peace and that God would be, his presence would be with them whenever this is over and It's going to be hard. But the next time I stood in front of someone, I've told you guys about Donald before. I thought he was so close to death. Full organ failure, system failure. He was literally a vegetable. Like no brain activity. They called me in as like a last thought. Can you just pray over him and, you know, last rites kind of thing. I put my hands on him and said, God, bring him back to life. And he did. But it's like step one, step two, step three. God wants to take you somewhere, and you can't get down the road if you won't take one step. And like Nehemiah, he says, look what God's done. He's not going to leave us now. He's still with us. Let's go. So the greater the opposition against you, the greater the opportunity for God to fight for you. I told you guys this last week, and I'm going to close with this. Not only do we have to remember the Lord, but 2 Chronicles, the verse says that the eyes of the Lord are like they're looking back and forth across the earth to see whom he might strengthen, whose heart is fully committed. Like, who's that person who's all in? Who's that, who's that one who's just, I'm going to do this whether anybody helps me. I'm going to do this whether everybody else in the world hates me or insults me or mocks me or says they're going to not be my friends or my family. They're going to, whatever that looks like. It's like the Spirit of God just says, that's something I can get behind. Whatever it is that you're, you're juggling right now in your mind, I, 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 I feel like there's some of you guys that are just, you're, you're like struggling with this, well, I can, but I can't, but I can, but I want to, but just I, I don't know how but like look sometimes it's just one 
one step and the first step is usually to just say like Nehemiah okay okay God I'll do it you don't you don't have to know how just being willing to say that the Bible says that Nehemiah prayed for four prayed and fasted for four months before he even told anybody before he even told the king before he told before he did anything about it he prayed and fasted for four months so there's something that's incubating in your in your heart God's moving in your heart I think it's it's never insignificant when God puts it on my heart to preach a certain kind of message or certain certain uh, series it's very significant in the first service we, we didn't have lights I, I don't know I was like I was preaching and then the lights went out you have to expect that things aren't always going to go right But the opposition just means that God has an opportunity to help you. So I'd like to pray with you right now. Whatever that looks like for you, that step of faith, that, that, you, that God would give you the resolve and that God would give you the peace and prepare you for the opposition that's going to come with it. And let's do something for God together. Would you pray with me? Dear, dear Lord, we just come to you right now. and we, we know that you have made us to step out and walk by faith, to live by faith, to, to follow you and to hear from you and to be the hands and feet of the body of Christ around the world, to do great and mighty things step by step, one step at a time. Lord, we trust you. I ask that you would let your Holy Spirit be in us and move in us and to help us, to give us strength and to give us comfort and to prepare us for everything that we need to accomplish. That you, I thank you, God, that you have given us every single thing that we need to fulfill your calling for our lives. In Jesus' name. Now I want you to just stay right where you're at with every head bowed and every, every eye closed. If, if you're that one person and you're saying, you know what, I, I, I know that I'm made for more than this. Maybe you've been running from God. Maybe you, you haven't been where God wants you to be. Maybe, maybe your life has, you've been, you've been working on it your way. You've been doing it your way. You've been fighting to, to, to make your own life, and you have been resisting giving God control. Maybe you've never given God control, or it's been a long time, and you feel far from God, and that's, that's the, the, the piece of this message that you related to. If that's you and you're ready to, to finally just surrender, I love that word, surrender, because it means that I can, I can finally become what I was made to do and surrender to, to, the, to the one that created me. I can fit into the plan that I was made to fit into. And if that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody looking around, if that's you and you're ready to surrender your life to God today and you want to say, you just want to say, include me in that prayer, would you just... Right now, on the count of three, would you raise your hand? One, two, three. Just put your hand up right now. Nobody looking around. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. There are those who would surrender their lives today to a heavenly Father that loves us and cares about us. Thank you. I love that. Anybody else? Awesome. Would you, every person in this room... Would you say this prayer with me? And those who are watching online, would you just repeat these words and let's say this prayer together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus 
to die on a cross for my sin. Today I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Come into my life and I give you my heart. Walk with me all the days of my life and I will follow you wherever you lead. Today I want to take a step of faith and keep taking steps of faith for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give a hand to everybody who said that prayer. And of course, we hear every week that there are people who say that prayer online. That's the thrill of my life to see people taking steps of faith. And that is one of the first steps that we get to take in just giving our life to God. So if you said that prayer for the very first time, I'm going to invite the band to join me on the stage. And we're going to do one final worship song. And I'm going to ask them to sing Who You Say I Am, which is really just a statement about that's what salvation is, becoming who he said that we are. That's what walking by faith is, allowing him to make us new into that new creation. The ushers are moving into position.